All right, how's it going, everyone? I'm Mark. I'm Ian. And this is the Uncaped Crusaders Review. Okay, welcome back for another episode. We are talking 1966 Adam West Batman TV show today. We got two more episodes. We have the Mad Hatter and we have the Joker, the two villains that we're going to be talking about. So it'll be the first two episodes, the 13th hat, Batman stands pat, and then the Joker goes to school. And he meets his uh, grizzly ghoul, which by far is the most impressive title so far. I yeah, you know, like, episode. you know, at first, we're like, oh, that's such a great idea to make the titles run. And then, like, three or four weeks after, they're like, this was such a mistake. Like, we made a big, big mistake. Nothing rhymes anymore, which yeah. they've already yeah, run now into. I mean, they ran into that problem in the fourth episode, the Mr. Freeze yeah. one. They already ran yeah. out of ideas, so. Yeah, they were kicking themselves for that decision. Yeah, it's been been pretty rough for them. That's that's for sure. So we're gonna get into that coming up as the, kind of the main part of the show. But first, we got to talk news and a movie swap. Um, there there is some Batman news. Biggest news is it looks like we're just about ready. Their filming is just about ready to to start with the Batman. Um, I know the rehearsals are already have been underway now for a little while, and they've already okay. started finding locations. Um, looks like a lot of I it. Thought they had already, hmm? I thought they had already started. I think they've started setting up filming. Lo- like I don't think they've actually oh, okay. started filming yet, but they've been yeah, yeah. like everything's been be like being built and all that stuff. So, because yeah, I, I know, um, it looks like as with all the other Batman movies, most of it will be shot in London. Or in England, um, and it looks like even some of the same kind of locations as with one already seems to be confirmed. Um, this like, let's see, now I don't even remember what it's called. It's called the uh, Carding the Cardington Sheds, and it's a very popular filming location. Oh There's yeah, I saw that. Yeah. These massive, um, just I mean, they look like sheds, like big barns from the outside, but they're really these massive like sound studios. Um, yeah, yeah out in England, like out in the middle of nowhere. And I know, uh, the Nolan movies filmed there and several other big movies have filmed there as well. So apparently one of the sets is going to be a big cathedral, assuming for a funeral of some kind, probably going to be flashback with the Wayne's death. I would assume that would probably be in there. Um, so that is there. And also apparently the working title for the movie is Vengeance, because um, hmm. all big movies do not go by their actual titles; they go by some of sort of some sort of working title. And apparently, for this, it's going to be Vengeance. So, a little bit of information after not really getting any information. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, uh, hopefully, we'll be seeing our first glimpse of the bat suit. I hope so. That that that's the next step. Which I am really, really looking forward to. Yeah, that's like you the know, biggest one, I feel like. Just seeing what what they're going to do with that. Because, you know, there's a million different directions. We've heard many things. Could be, you know, they could be going old school blue. Sure. You never know. Um, White eyes, hopefully. Yeah, I, I still don't know how I feel about that. 
Uh, I, I, I like that's all I want. Like, like I, I want that, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that might not be something that translates super well in real life. I just don't I know. Like, I need to see it, but yeah. I'm just, I'm just not sure how well that translates into, uh, into real life. Because I'm thinking of like, you know, like the Batman Beyond suit. Yeah. I don't know how you make that in real life without just going full Nolan motorcycle. Yeah, like, like I saw, I saw like a few like concept designs people had did, had done for uh, the Batman Beyond suit for like a real movie. <laughs> Off in terms of a live action movie. All right, you're gonna have to start over. I lost you for a second there. Uh, whatever. Hang on, um, hang on, hang on. Uh, yeah, I think it's on my I don't know. Phone. I hang on, let me fix it here. All right, are you there? Yeah. You there? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was my fault. I got it fixed now. So you were talking yeah. about the Batman Beyond suit. Yeah, just uh, I saw like a concept design someone had done for like a live action suit, and like it didn't look good. Like it looked almost like demonic, because um, like you know there's a lot of red, you know, like the giant ears, like it, they looked like horns almost. So uh, I feel like that would be tough to do in live a- action. But I think the white eyes would work because they work for Deadpool. True. No, that is true. That is true. So you know, and and it might, it might. Um, I I would like to see it tried though. That's for sure. And again. Even if they did it, like, Batman has a million suits. You wouldn't even have to stick yeah. with that. I mean, worst case yeah, scenario. Yeah, it wouldn't have to be for every scene. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, yeah, worst case scenario, Batman literally could have, like, a hundred different suits. Because he does. Yeah, I mean, so. sell more toys that way, too. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I am, I, I'm all for trying it. I'm all for having a blue suit, too. I don't even care if oh, it yeah. makes sense or not. Again, at this point, wow. that's out the window now. The, the, at yeah. least, we've gotten to the point where companies are smart enough to just put the superheroes in the suits. Say what you will yeah. about how terrible the CW shows are. They put everyone in the actual suits. So you, I mean, you got to give them credit for the, for that. They've started to do sure. that now. And um, so I, I would love to see an old school blue and gray. That would too. Um, so that that's kind of cool. I don't know of any other news. Really, at least not uh, really Batman yeah. news. Yeah, definitely not Batman related. I don't think. Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess with the holidays, you know, it's a slow news week. Yeah, yeah, of of course, with with Christmas and everything, a little little slower. Um, I believe the season finale of The Mandalorian comes out Friday or tomorrow. Ooh. Well, today when this episode comes out, so that that'll be that'll be cool, and everyone yeah listening to this has already seen that, but we haven't seen it yet, really? so we're not going to talk no. about. It. Um. Uh, let's see. What else is going on? Nothing. Not really. Uh, The Witcher came out. So. Yes, I want to see it. Um, I know my brother already watched it. A lot of people have already watched it. I watched just the first episode of it. Um, I haven't I'm had a chance to watch anything else. Yeah, everything sounds good. I don't know what I think about it because I have no idea what the heck's going on. Yeah, and I'm surprised because you're not a big fantasy guy. Um, no, I, I'm not. And, uh... I'm not a big fantasy person, at least not in those type of ways, and I'm not a not a video game person. So, and, and everything I've heard, apparently, this is an incredibly confusing t- 
TV series. That that's what I've heard from a bunch of people. That apparently well, there's a lot. Yeah. Apparently there's like three different timelines and people oh, wow. are dead and then they're alive again because it's a different timeline. But but nothing's like mapped out really that way. So you kind of just huh. again I don't know. I haven't gotten through it yet. But that's just what I've heard from some people. But most people really like it and are saying it's really accurate to the source material. Source material. Yeah. So I guess that's yeah, I, good. Um, I, I definitely, yeah, definitely get gonna... video game vibes from watching it because, like, there's little things of just during the fights, you know, like whatever Henry Cavill's main character name is. He does this, like, little power thing where he, like, shoots yeah. out some magic thing and it makes people, like, it's almost like a little force push thing. And and yeah. just looking at that, this, like, little thing, I'm like, that just, I feel like I'm playing a video game and you're just hitting these little things to help you and while fighting. So it definitely has that vibe, which I mean, I I mean, it's from a game, so obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there are books too, but yeah, it's, right, it's right. Mainly known for the game. So again, yeah. I I don't really know. I definitely would have no interest in this if Henry Cavill wasn't in it. That I can guarantee okay. you. So one hundred percent, that was the bril- uh, brilliant move by Netflix. Um, He's great bringing him for that. He's awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm glad to see him finally being used right. Like, like Man from Uncle. Mission Impossible, and now this. It's like act, like directors and studios are finally using him properly, where it's like even when he broke out, like after Man of Steel, there's still a couple movies where it's like oh, just make him like the stoic, like all serious, like jock-headed. Like he just, well, that's like, he's a really kind of, that's charismatic what he is guy. In, that's what he is in this show. Sure, but like it, that works for the character of uh, well, yeah, yeah. Gerald, or Gerald, yeah. That's how he is in the game, too, so. But no, I'm glad to see him actually getting like proper recognition now. Yeah, um, I will say in the first episode, the fight at the end was awesome. That I'll give them that. Ooh. It was it was really, really good. And there's a couple uh, and like they don't hold back. And there's a couple moments where you're like, oh, like just it's it's pretty wow. brutal. And it was it was really cool. I can't so wait. if anything uh, would keep me in for it, it would definitely be the fights because the choreography was awesome. At least in that first Sweet. episode. I, I mean, uh, you know me, I, I love fantasy. Fantasy is my favorite. I need something I after the. A horrible Game of Thrones disaster. <laughs> so I'm, def- I'm definitely gonna watch that this weekend. Apparently, I, I've I was talking with my cousin, who's he, he's a huge Game of Thrones fan, and um, and he's already watched the whole this Witcher series, and he he absolutely loves it. He says nice. like story wise, it's almost even better than Game of Thrones, as far well, as I, like com- like it's more complex even than. Well, the the, the, the lore, the lore of the Witcher is way more complex than the lore of a uh, Game of Thrones. The lore of the Witcher is very like unique in its own right because it's based on like Polish folklore. Where Game of Thrones is like literally takes from everything, takes from Nolan, takes from or not Nolan, uh, Tolkien, takes from uh, Nordic, takes from Roman history, like all this stuff. So the the Witcher is like its own thing and it's really rich with all all this source material. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, so I, anyway, that, that's a big thing going around right now and I'll watch more of that as we continue on. Um, and then just as far as other things that I've watched, I've watched nothing really at all. I saw you saw a big Jake. Uh, yeah, that was on, um, T that was on last night at my aunt and uncle's house. My uncle had that on. So we were watching, um, Watching that, which is which is nice. I mean, I'm I'm down for for classic westerns. So, I mean, it's I, your typical John Wayne western, yeah. Yeah, it is, and this was uh, one of the last ones too, because this was in '71, yeah. so it's later 
later one. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. But that's literally the only thing I've seen this week. I've been watching all Christmas movies. That's why I hadn't Same. watched anything. Yeah, it's, the only new thing I, I saw was we watched uh, The Founder, uh, my mom and oh, my Oh, crap. Uncle all right. Well, there goes that off the list. Oh, was that on uh, <laughs> Movie Slot? It was. I couldn't believe oh. you hadn't seen that. Yeah, uh, I wanted to, but I just never got around to it. And uh, it's good. It's, it it's is interesting. Good. I, I like it a lot. I, I would have liked a different director. I like John Lee Hancock, but I, I think the tone, I think his like directing was a little bit too like whimsical and positive. I would have liked a little bit more like darker and a little cynical, uh, especially when you get to like him really screwing over the, you know, McDonald brothers. I thought the tone almost felt like it was, like. It wasn't a tone for a real story, if that makes no. sense. I know like, what you it, mean. Yeah. It seemed like a tone for like a drama, like a, a melodrama, or I don't know, so, something that's not like a biographical event. Yeah, like like like, a, like it, it seemed like a David O. Russell type feel. Yeah, more yeah. so than kind of what the movie was. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because there's like times like the score didn't fit. It was weird because I was like. As I was watching, I'm like, this reminds me of like the rookie, and I had no idea it was the same director. And then <laughs> Is it really? I looked at, yeah, because afterward I looked it up, I was like, no freaking way! I called it. Wow, I didn't even it's, think it's, of that. It's I weird. freaking just love how, the rookie. Oh, the rookie is great, but it's just weird how much like that came like through, and I was like, this hmm. feels exactly like the rookie because like the music was the exact same, like you know the small town yeah. deal to it, you know where it was filmed and stuff. But yeah, it was weird. But no, I, I oh. still enjoyed it. You know, freaking um, Michael Keaton's amazing and. Yeah, you know Ron Swanson's always good, and John Carroll Lynch and all that it's stuff. It's fun yeah. seeing. Um, uh, I love how you just called him Ron Swanson. Yeah, um, Nick Overman. Yeah, it's funny seeing him in that role too. Oh, I know it's weird without the mustache. I'm like, what? It is kind of weird. But then, uh, oh, freaking Linda Cardellini, you know Hawkeye's wife. I didn't even recognize yeah. her at first. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, whoa! And then Patrick Wilson, nice little surprise uh, cameo, kind of. Yeah, that's always that's always nice. He's always good. But that's it. Yeah, I haven't seen anything else. There's all yeah. the classic Christmas movies. Yep, me too. Um, so we can just get right into Movie Swap then. So for this week, I watched uh, Master and Commander, and Ian watched Man on the Moon. Did you watch Man on the Moon? I did, yeah. I just okay. haven't rated it. Um, I, I, I can never remember this title, Master and Commander. I always want to see I, like Masters in Command. That always pops into my head. And then I like start to type like it in and game. I'm like, that's not here. What What is the yeah. name of this movie? And I have to look it up and it's like, oh, Master and Commander. That's what it is. Yeah, it sounds like a board game. It's yeah. not a good name at all. It is a terrible yeah, it's, movie it's, title. It's the name of the book, but you know, whatever. But it's not a good movie title. Um, no. It's just very confusing and very long and yeah, very I mean, generic, no, no like all at the same time. Yeah, no one says the, the the subtitle "The Far Side of the World" is like, no one ever says that. That's not a good title either. Um, yeah, too much. Oh, it's better than the freaking "Birds of Prey" title with the emancipation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we don't talk about that podcast or that um, on this podcast. Um, but anyway, so those are the two movies we watched this week. So I literally watched Master and Commander like two hours ago. Um, Nothing. And uh, I don't know why I, I honestly cannot understand why I haven't heard of this movie before. Like, not that I, I haven't seen this movie. I had never heard of this movie before. It's you a crime. It, to me. It, it is. It is a crime. It was great. It's a great it movie. A fantastic movie. And I'm mad that people that that I've never heard of this. And even my it, dad, it, like I mentioned it. My dad was like, oh, yeah, the movie's great. And I was like, well, then why haven't I heard of this before? <laughs> 
Yeah, um, I mean, it's like watching. They do not make movies like that anymore. No, 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 they don't. You know what kind of reminded me? This kind of reminded me of, but it, a totally different genre and time and everything. But like Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. It's like that type yeah. of tone of a movie. I can see that. Um, so, yeah, but it, those type of movies, this type of things, the, these type of historical or action dramas, yeah, it is true. They're not made anymore. No. It's, it's sad. Because, like, it, it, it did, like, the movie, I think, box office-wise, it did fine, but, like, um, like recognition-wise, like, it got nominated for a lot of stuff. It was, I mean, people held it in high regard. And they just fell off the map. And there was, for the longest time, there was talk about sequels uh, or doing a sequel, hence the whole subtitle. Um, but it just never happened. And I, I guess probably because it'd be too expensive to film. And that's again, what, it's like. That's what I read that it was too, it would be too expensive with yeah, the like, I, style or whatever. Yeah. Studios are, studios today would never film on an old, you know, English vessel out on the ocean. It'd all be CGI and green screen. Christopher Nolan and, would. He would. A few directors would, but I mean, only a few. And I mean, he probably wouldn't do a movie like this. But yeah, it's, it's a damn shame because the the books are great, and there's so much more you could have done with the characters. Yeah, yeah. This movie was up for let's see, definitely best picture. And this movie won two Oscars, and it was up for a bunch more. It won best cinematography and best sound editing, which makes perfect sense. Sure. It was up for Best Picture, Best Director, Best uh, Film Editing, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Makeup, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Visual Effects um, as well. Those are what it was nominated for um, and didn't win. So, yeah, this thing just cleaned house at the Oscars Yeah, and then was never heard from again, which just so doesn't sad. make any sense. I know. I, I really don't understand. Um, and then in uh, Golden Globes, Russell Crowe, got nominated for best oh, nice. actor and uh Peter Weir got nominated for best director as well. Yeah, it's crazy that he also did Dead Poets Society and then this. It's like Right. It, it's very strange. Not yeah. even close to the same movies. Um, no. But no, but I I like this a lot cuz it felt like it it was such it's such a cool type of atmosphere. I mean, you're on yeah. this what what is it like eight early eighteen hundreds? Yeah, it's a Napoleonic War. Uh, yeah. Ship British ship and it uh and there and okay the other thing I liked about this movie a lot is the plot is so simple. I know, right? That's my favorite. That's my favorite part of the whole yeah. setup of this movie is how simple the plot is, and it's easy to follow. Yep. That that's my biggest complaints in movies uh, like this, these type of epics. Sure. Um, is a lot of times the plot is either not that important or very complicated. Yeah. And this was a lot of neither. parts. That was great. Um, I guess a, a few things maybe you you kind of had to pay attention a little bit, but for the most part, they're chasing down this. It starts off they get attacked by a ship. And then they have to track that ship down and basically capture it. That's really yeah, it. Yeah, and they're the underdogs. and Yeah, the ship's like they're, bigger, they're faster, ship. and better guns and everything than them. And uh, they're, no, they're immediately the... crippled, and then they have to build back up and then chase it down again and then figure out how to take it. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's the plot. As, 
That's really it. But I and really then it leaves all the room for yeah, the actual for the story of life aboard a ship. Yep. Now that's, the like the best parts of the movie are just Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany. Their, their friendship and their relationship is so good. And then the is. music is so good. The the not just the score, but all the classical music incorporate even the live music when they're performing you know in the captain's quarters is so good like oh i I just love their relationship yeah um i was a little worried about characters at the beginning because i i had no idea who anyone was at least for more than they all look alike yeah and so yeah but they did a good job by the end of differentiating them enough to where you knew who they were but for about the first half i'm like i don't know who they're talking about or who this character is, and I still don't know yeah, anybody's they, name they, whatsoever. Yeah, um, and they, they all look the same, too. It doesn't really help you. I know what you mean. I know that Russell Crowe's name is Jack, and yep, Jack. and that's it. I know that I know that Paul Benny was a, the doctor, and... Steven. And yep. I don't know anyone else's name, but... Uh, sure. But you at least, I mean, even name-wise, whatever, but you know who everyone is yeah. as it yeah, goes on. Yeah, if you on. rewatch it, you'll start to pick up, yeah. So I love that the battles are incredible. You know what? The oh, only great. other movie I can think of that is ha- and it, and it wasn't as done as well as this. But the only other movie I can think of that had ship battles like this is Pirates of the Caribbean. Like the yeah, first Pirates much. of the Caribbean, which I think yeah. is fantastic as well. Obviously oh, yeah. this one is up on a different level, but as far, right. other than that I can't think of another movie that has done ship battles this well. Not not, not lately, god no. I mean, ever. Yeah, I, not even, I mean, not even just lately, just ever, because it's not something that's done a lot because it's so, it's got to be so hard to do. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, it's one of those things that if you try to do with CGI, it just, it, it won't look good. Like, it, it would terrible. just look so yeah. bad. Yeah. Well, that, that's the impressive part about this movie. I had no idea what was CGI and what wasn't. Yeah. I mean, like the, the the storm scene, you could tell, but even then. Sure, sure. Like, like, obviously, there's certain things where you're like, okay, this has to be CGI, but you can't right. tell, really. No. And and I never even thought about it, for the most part. It no, it, it, is, it looks beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. The blending is done so well. As I'm telling you, these early 2000s are some of the best time period as far as movies like this, because oh, they didn't so. they didn't have the CGI capabilities to make it look that great. So mm-hmm. now and so the movies that do that are just horrible. But the movies that don't, the bigger budget movies, that they know yeah. the technology is not good enough to just fully get away with that, those are the movies that look so, so good and still do because they're a perfect blend of real yeah. sets. And then the CGI to help augment it and make it that much better, which is the exact way I, CGI should be used. And again, exactly. Lord of the Rings, which won Best Picture this year, is the yep. perfect example of that being done. Yep. And this so movie, I think, is right up there with another perfect Absolutely. example of how to do that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Late late 90s to early 2000s, I think, was some of the best filmmaking ever. Yeah, yeah, it's and hard to argue Best movies that. ever, yeah. But yeah, yeah. so uh, I love their relationship, all the characters. Russell Crowe, I mean, this this is the Russell Crowe character. Um, great. I mean, he obviously, he can do a bunch of different things and has great actor. But this is his sweet spot as far yeah. as characters, you know. And he had just come off Gladiator. He's got oh, yeah. this, the, any type of this leader, leader character or whatever, that, that is his yep. peak. And he plays it just as well as anyone and it was great. Uh, Paul Bettany's great. I realized watching this, I was like, he's literally Vision. 
Like it, this is the exact yeah, same role of, yeah. as as the Vision character. It's the exact same thing. Um, yeah. Which was funny. I just I sat here. I'm like, he used so much of this for Vision. Yeah. The like outsider voice of reason, yep. uh, non-emotional mechanic. Like he's like the exact same thing, and it was great. Um, yeah. Hyper hyper intellectual. Yeah. Yep. So uh, yeah, not much more else to say about it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I, I figured you'd like it. Yeah, again, if you have not seen this movie, do yourself a favor. It's, Please. It's so good. Um, it's vastly underrated. Huh. More people need to know about it. Uh, this Absolutely. movie has a 3.7 on Letterboxd. It's got uh, 7.4 on IMDb, and it has an 85% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and 80% audience score, which to me was a little low. Yeah. I think the credit score seems right, but I was surprised yeah. the audience score was that low. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some people were bored. Yeah, well, that's fair. That's fair. I, I guess I could see, I guess I could see maybe some people being bored with it. Sure. Um, and you were talking about the box office, though. I mean, this was a massive budget movie. This this movie is a hundred fifty yeah. million dollar budget, sure. which you can tell, and it only made two hundred and ten million. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. So it it didn't Same even shame. make a hundred million in the U.S. Um, yeah, it just it wasn't worth uh, the money to do another sequel. It only made twenty five million opening weekend. So ah, again, it's just it's, it's a weird movie to promote. And even when you told me about, it, I looked it up. I was like, this movie looks boring. Like just from the poster to the title, everything. And sure. even when you read it about it, everything about it just kind of sounds boring. But yeah. then, and in the trailers are terrible too. I watched oh, the trailer yeah, yeah. for it; it's awful. Um, yeah. But the movie's great, so really yeah. got kind of gypped. Not a very good marketing with this movie, no, unfortunately. No. But a really, really good movie. So, um. Yeah. Okay, so moving on. Ian watched uh, Man on the Moon, and I'm I'm curious yeah. to hear your takes on <laughs> this movie. Uh this is definitely one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen before. <laughs> I I don't know what to make of it. I definitely liked it, but it's it's just so weird because I, I was I'm not familiar with Andy Kaufman like at all. Yeah, I, see I, that that's one thing I was worried about. Sure, is not um, not knowing about who Andy Kaufman was. Because like I've I've heard his name, you know, uh, listening to so many comedians as I do, you know, they always bring him up and talk about him. But like I'd never seen any of his Saturday Night Live appearances or any of his like specials or anything like that. So I, I had no idea just how eccentric and unique and weird he was. Uh, but the funny part is like even like not really knowing who he was or like what he was like, I still never saw Jim Carrey the whole time. Like I, ju- <laughs> I, like I just saw this person that he was portraying, even though I didn't know who that was. I was like, yeah, this is probably exactly what they were like. It is. He, I mean, he's so good. I mean, it's weird because, like, yeah, I've never really seen him in any role like this, you know, other than, like, yeah, like, his, his some uh, serious stuff. I mean, I never saw Eternal Spotlight, uh, whatever, of the mind, um, you know, but, like, just a, the few serious ones I have seen, like, The Majestic, uh, The Truman Show, stuff like that, he was great in. So, but, like, in this one, it's, like, the perfect blend of, of a comedic, but not his typical comedic fashion, you know? Right. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was, I liked it because, it was weird. Um, like, I mean, his, his, like his version of humor, I do not get at all. It is. Well, that's the way, point. Nobody yeah. does. Like, <laughs> and that, nobody and that's did. the weird part. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't even know how you explain it. Like, I mean, the idea of reading the entirety of The Great Gatsby to a live audience <laughs> in a British voice, like, again, just shows you, like, what the enigma he was, no pun intended. Yeah, well, th- th- this is what it boils down to, which I, I, I they talk about in the movie um, quite a bit, but the, the point of Andy Kaufman, the re- really the only point of Andy Kaufman was he wanted to get reactions from people. Yeah. That's it. That is, yeah. that's it. That is his, yeah. that was his only goal in anything was to get yeah, which I, different reactions out of people. Which is really commendable. Cause like his, his whole thing is like, he just doesn't want to be predictable and a routine for, for the audience. He like literally his whole like priority is like being one step ahead of the audience and just not giving them something they've seen or expect like to the point where the whole wrestling you know debacle is like everyone's telling him hey man just drop it like it's been funny it's been weird just tell them that you know this is all a ruse or whatever and him and uh what's his name the the, jerry the wrestler Lawler. jerry Lawler. jerry Lawler, just keep going with it <laughs> and then you find out later that he was in on it the whole time like i mean that's stuff i really like um, yeah I, mean, I, I love i love weird humor like that yeah, that that I got to talk about. That's the biggest thing. That was my introduction to Andy Kaufman, being a being a huge wrestling that's fan. Right. And I figured that's that's to me my favorite thing he's ever done because Andy Kaufman <laughs> was a massive, massive professional wrestling fan growing up. He grew up on Long Island. He grew up watching original WWWF, um, which is AKA WWE now. He grew up watching that and just loving that. Like, his biggest thing, I think, I'm trying to think, his first first person he really took to was, I think, Gorgeous George. Um, Big-time heel wrestler, like, pretty boy heel wrestler. And he was fascinated with the fact that this guy was going out here trying to get people to hate him. <laughs> and and that, that totally enamored him more than anything else. And his whole thing was... He always wanted to be a professional wrestling heel bad guy. He always okay. wanted that. But he's this tiny, like, 130-pound yeah. dude. Like, And especially back then, when the yeah. whole thing with wrestling was massive, like, six foot five, 300-pound yeah. guys, that would never happen. So what he did was he started the intergender wrestling where he literally would just <laughs> book a show and put a mattress down, like, mats down, and... Ask people to come out of the audience, women, and he would wrestle them for real and, <laughs> and, and beat them. That that was the whole thing. That'd be like half the show or the whole show. <laughs> and this is not like professional wrestling scripted no. things. He would literally just fight women. Just like, beat up women. <laughs> yes. As part of the thing. And people hated him, obviously, oh, yeah. for doing this. And he would parade around as the intergender champion. Well, um, like, I mean. Well, what, but, was oh go no, I mean go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what's great about him from what I've seen in this movie is that he is literally one of the very few people who, when they say I don't care what people think about me, I mean, it, like that could not be truer than anybody than this guy. I mean, there there's so many comedians who who try to do the whole edgy like oh I don't care you know I'm off the cuff you know I'm just doing whatever, but you can tell it's all part of an act. It's all part of a a gimmick like you get them away from the camera and stuff you, you know they'll just be normal level-headed this guy was like just a, a maniac his whole life to the point where even his best friend bob you know um what's that actor paul giamatti yeah 
you know, like when they go to the the, the broth or whatever, you know, Andy is acting all like nervous and stuff, and even the the mistress or whatever is like, oh no, he's here every week, and even his friend, who's just as like insane as he is, is like, even I don't know this guy. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the other thing is literally nobody really knew him at all. I mean, that's that's yeah. the way, <laughs> which is quite the testament. Yeah, yeah, that's the way you know he went through life. But but the wrestling stuff was even cooler because he actually wanted he wanted to do something on a bigger stage, mm-hmm. grow his wrestling. Uh, give me, he wanted to bring like his intergender thing to like an actual wrestling show because he wanted to perform in front of a wrestling crowd that was actually there to watch wrestling instead of just, you know, who knows who was coming to the other shows in like L.A. And uh, so he got in contact with Vince McMahon Sr., the dad of the now famous Vince oh, McMahon, okay. who ran WWWF at the time. But he ironically wanted nothing to do with showbiz, hmm. which was the polar opposite of Vince McMahon Jr. Yeah, yeah. And so he then got in contact with Jerry Lawler, who ran Memphis Wrestling, who they were kind of the purveyors of the sports entertainment, kind of adding entertainment into wrestling type thing. They they were doing that first with Jerry Lawler running it. And so Jerry Lawler was like, sure, a guy from Hollywood? Yes, come on. Like, we can use whatever, you know, publicity and stuff. So they started their whole feud, which to for all intents and purposes was 100% real to everybody. Like even yeah. past like the wrestling, pe- some people still thought wrestling was real. Even past that, like people legitimately thought that this thing was real and that Andy Kaufman was the worst human being alive. <laughs> There's some of the best wrestling promos of all time. I, I don't bet. remember if in the movie, they don't really get into that as much, but he would literally go on TV. He would record promos talking about like pre-recorded promos saying like he's in out in Hollywood and won't ever be seen in Memphis with all of the the trash people there and he would literally one time he took a bar of soap oh, and yeah. was like all right everyone this is soap yeah he does that in the movie okay i can't remember i haven't seen the movie in a little while that is one of the best promos of all time where he's just <laughs> like this is soap and i'll show you how to use it for all of you people and it got so bad, the people in Memphis were threatening to burn down the television studio if they Whoa. kept airing the like the commercials. Like he had more heat than anybody almost in the history of wrestling. I believe it. Imagine if he was around today. Oh man. Uh it, crucified. It, yeah, I know, I know. It was great. Uh but he would still do it. That's the great thing about Andy yeah, yeah, If he was around today, yeah. he would still be doing it. Absolutely. Um, but uh so, you know, then it leads to the match with Lawler and then he gets pile driven and just totally <laughs> fakes like he's dead. Yeah. And it's a funny story. Jerry Lawler was talking about it and he said, uh, cause Jerry Lawler actually plays himself in the yeah, movie it's great. and he's great. But, uh, and he was saying after he did that to Andy, you know, he laid there just dead, did not move a muscle for like five minutes. And at some point he was like, all right. And he went over to tell the ref, he's like, go get Andy up. We need to, we need to move on. You know, show's over. We need to get. People going, and the ref went over and like talked to him, and he comes back, and the ref says to Jerry, he's like, he he says he wants an ambulance. And he's like, what do you mean he wants an ambulance? He's not really hurt. Like you're not paying for an ambulance. They're expensive. And so he goes back over and he comes back. He says he really wants an ambulance, and and he says he'll pay for it. He's like, oh, okay, if he'll pay for it, go call an ambulance. We'll do the thing. So he just gets an ambulance out there, gets carted out thing, and stays in the hospital for three days. <laughs> yeah selling this injury and oh man and then of course they were gonna 
kind of end it at the David Letterman show. Right. Yeah. And uh, Jerry Lawler then gets a call, you know, a few weeks later. And it's like, oh, David Letterman says he wants you on the show with Andy Kaufman. He's like, oh, sure. I'll go on the show. It sounds great. And what they wanted to do was them to kind of make up on the show. Like they were going to kind of, you know, apologize and, and talk about this. And Andy, Andy was like going to sing some song. And that was going to be the show. And so they go through kind of the rehearse and we're talking about it. And then at some point Andy had called him. Or not the rehearsal, but they had mentioned that. But Andy then called him later and was saying, tell, ask, and tell, you know, asking him about the thing. was like, so you heard what they wanted us to do? And he's like, yeah. It would kind of ruin our angle, but, you know, it would, you know, I guess it would be good for the TV. And he's like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And he's like, wouldn't it be great if you just hauled off and slugged me? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, Andy, but, you know, then I'm going to get arrested. And, you know, they won't even air the segment, probably. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're right, but wouldn't that be awesome? And that's the <laughs> last time they mentioned it. Oh, they wow. did not talk again until they were on the show. Uh, at all and then just in the moment yeah jerry was supposed to like apologize to andy and he just was like no dave you know i don't think i i don't think i want to and and from there on it just slowly went downhill and in real life if you watch the real clip it's hilarious because you can see david letterman like go white oh yeah and like he has no idea what's going on and then of course it ends with jerry lawler standing up the last second and just slapping the hell yeah. out of Andy Kaufman and of course it's it's considered one of the top 100 TV moments in history oh wow I'm surprised um, that they were seen before it was like front page New York Times you know oh, USA Today everything like this the, I mean like, again this was real like this was real like even away from wrestling perception this was yeah, yeah. real um and and nobody knew that it wasn't for decades and decades later till Jerry Lawler told people but uh, and, and so when they were filming, though, it's funny about this. Again, a big thing. I'm talking a lot about this movie, but there's a lot of cool stories behind it. But uh, Jim Carrey was total method with this movie. One hundred percent came to thing dressed as Andy already. Everyone had to call him Andy. A total like the worst actor in the world to work with. Sure. Um, And Jerry Lawler was playing himself. So there were several times, like, when they were filming the wrestling scene, he wanted to actually get pile-driven because Andy did, and and the whole crowd of extras there started, like, heckling him because (laughs) they kept, like, cutting and bringing the stunt double in and then doing that. So he got so mad, he was like, let's do it. And and Jerry Lawler wouldn't do it and then told the director, Milos Foreman. And so then Milos was like, all right, everyone, we're done for the day, and uh, that's it. (laughs) And Jerry got so mad, or... uh, uh, Jim Carrey got so mad he actually like spit in the face of Jerry Lawler and like they almost <laughs> got into a fight and uh, so then they come back for the Letterman segment weeks later and you know Lawler's not too happy with with Andy so when they do that he hauled off and slapped him as hard as he could for real in the take oh, wow. and he's like yeah I slapped him 10 times harder than I actually slapped Andy Kaufman and the thing <laughs> and then after the take Jim Carrey was like all right, Milos, I hope you got that because I'm not doing that again. <laughs> but uh, it was pretty funny. But apparently after they, they were they were cool. And I know Jim oh, Carrey has done some done some nice stuff, given like some gifts and stuff to Jerry. But anyway, there's just a couple of cool things with just Andy Kaufman and with with that movie, which I, I just love the whole story of Andy Kaufman. And, right, and it, it's it's so fascinating to me, like the scene when they're getting his special ready and he wants the 
the like, oh, the picture little, like, to go off, like yeah. to, to start to go fuzzy and like the little bars to start going through because he wants people yeah. to go over and, and like <laughs> check their, their set. Like yeah. stuff like that is like I, I can't even I don't un- I don't understand, but I do understand, but I understand mm-hmm. that I don't understand. Yeah. No, it's I mean he he's really like unlike anyone I've ever seen before and and it's a shame that I really had never known about him or heard about him up until now and but the yeah the movie is I, I liked it it's, it's really interesting because it's not your typical biopic it's not like like overly sappy um like the ending is really like heartfelt and, and sentimental and you can just you can tell that this movie was really done like in honor of him and and like everyone behind the camera and working on it you can tell really did it like in his memory uh the only the only part i didn't like was of course courtney love but you know what else is new but uh, but now the best the best part was no doubt freaking Norm Macdonald acting as Michael Richards. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> well, that's the other funny thing is Norm Macdonald is the closest to Andy Kaufman we have I was now. Gonna, I was gonna say yeah, like the only person that like, comes to mind in terms of like just pure like you know pure ludicrous is like, Norm Macdonald. But even then, it's nowhere near. Right, right. But but you can tell just the amount of comedians that have been yeah, influenced Pat by him was in it. Like all these uh, all these like cameos and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean the actual Bob Zemuda is in the movie. Christopher too. Lloyd is in it. Yeah, I know that always throws me off. I don't uh, think he says anything. Danny DeVito. Uh, yeah, he's great in it. Um, obviously, Paul Giamatti is awesome playing really Bob Zemuda. Yeah. But the actual Bob Zemuda is in the movie too. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, just all all in all. I think this is just really well done, and um, and I highly recommend watching the Netflix documentary Andy and Me, or yeah, Jim and Andy, yeah. or whatever it's called, uh, which is basically about the making of this. And Jim Carrey's talks about the making of this and his psyche about it. It's really interesting too. So yeah, I, it's I pretty good see that pairing now. with it. But anyway, we've talked enough about that. Sure. Uh, this movie has a three point seven on Letterboxd. It's got a 63% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is just Ow. ridiculously terrible. Yeah. Makes absolutely no sense. And a 79% audience score, which that does make sense. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. Um, and then uh, it's got a 7.4 on IMDb. It had a really high budget, an $82 million budget Wow. for this movie. And it only made so- it made less than $50 million. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough movie to market. I mean, the really poster, hard movie to market. The poster alone is like, what? <laughs> if you don't know Andy Kaufman, like I do, I was like, what? But I don't think Andy would want it any other way than that's having a, a low critic rating. No one know what it is, and it yeah. bombing at the box office. I think I honestly think he would not want it any other way. Uh, you you you're definitely right. To be honest, <laughs> if you had made if you like this movie had to be split like that. Yeah, it other, if it wasn't, if it wasn't, this movie wouldn't be accurate. In my exactly. opinion. It yeah. wouldn't have been made properly. Yeah. Anyway, so that was pretty fun. All right. So now it's time to move on and pick our next movie swap list. Uh, Ian, do you know what you want me to watch? Because I know what I want you to watch. Uh, no, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Cool. Uh, we're going to finish out 2019. We're only, a, I don't know, week or so, less than a week or so away. And uh, I'm actually gonna pick a movie from this year, 2019. Okay. Came all came out all the way back in February, I think. And another kind of odd movie, kind of a, an interesting movie wrapped in a very odd package, but fantastic. 
And uh, Ian, you're gonna watch Fighting with My Family. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I was we're gonna wondering. Stay, that... We're gonna stay on the wrestling track because <laughs> this movie's fantastic. Yeah, I it's another like biopic um, about this very, very bizarre wrestling family from uh, from England, small town in England, and it's mainly about this wrestler Paige, who ends up being a wrestler in the WWE, a big star there. And it's kind of her upbringing through a family of wrestlers, her travel to the U.S., tryout with WWE, her challenges wrestling in the WWE, and it is so well done. It's directed by Stephen Merchant, um, produced by uh, The Rock, who's also in the movie. Nick Frost plays her dad, who's freaking incredible. I mean, Nick Frost is great anyway, but he's just perfect as... uh, as her dad, um, her mom is played by uh, Lena Headley, and um, mm-hmm. uh, Paige is played by Florence Pug, I think. Or yeah, I like her a lot, and she's fantastic. And then really Vince good. Vaughn is also in there as one of her trainers in the WWE Training Center, uh, which nice. and he's just he's I, like- I love that Vince Vaughn has finally gotten a little bit of a comeback in the past couple of years. Oh yeah, yeah, like with Hacksaw Ridge. And yep. with this, some really, really great roles and really solid performances by him, which is is always nice to see, too, because I love Vince Vaughn. Yeah, he's good. So, again, bizarre movie, but it's hilarious. I mean, it's literally – it's a comedy biopic more than anything else. I mean, this is a comedy movie, and it is, okay. it's a lot of fun. It's one that a lot of people didn't expect, I don't think, to enjoy as much as they did, especially non-wrestling fans. But sure. it, it, uh, it got a lot of praise, and okay. I think it was very well-deserved. All right, well, on that note, I'm going to have you watch, since you had me watch a very weird movie, I'm going to have you watch a very weird movie. Oh, no. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see what you think of it. I'm going to have you watch Turbo Kid. Have you ever heard of this movie? Um, I have not, no. No, it's, it's an indie movie. It came out uh, a couple years ago, but I know you love the 80s. True. This movie is the perfect... 80s nostalgia movie where it doesn't take place in the 80s, but it feels like a movie that was plucked and made straight out of the 80s. It's it's like a it's very like early Sam Raimi, early like uh, Peter Jackson type, definitely James Gunn influence. Where it's like this post-apocalyptic universe, but like all like oil and machinery is is like gone. <laughs> so literally everyone's <laughs> mode of transportation is riding on bicycles. Um, so there's like this warlord, uh, played by Michael Ironside, of course. Uh, and he, like his whole game, like, you know, reigns terror, but they all ride around on bicycles and and it is the most over the top gory movie I have ever seen where like, I mean, it's just (laughs) the most ridiculous. I mean, like James Gunn to an 11, um, but it's really funny. It's really cute. Uh, the the 80s synth is, you know, all time great. And there's actually a little, love story at the heart of it that I really like. Um, I, I'm curious. I, I think you'll like it. Hmm. Interesting. I do like Michael Ironside. Oh, he's great. Yeah. So, uh, it's very campy. I, I think you'll like it. Well, all that sounds good to me. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Right. Just, just looking at the poster of this thing. I have no I idea what the hell's going on. And it's awesome. Red letter I, media talked about it and that was how I, I discovered it. And it's, it's great. I don't know. It looks like, like Mad Max meets sure. meets Tron meets yep. Ready Player One, pretty much meets 
Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I don't know. This this all looks those, all those are accurate. This is a very odd combination. I and I I'm down. It, it, it looks looks fun. It's definitely unique. <laughs> all right, well, fair enough. So Ian's watching Fighting with My Family, and I'm watching Turbo Kid for uh, next week's movie swap. <laughs>